Welcome back. It's the rebirth of life and love. You got Felicia. You got Rome in the building for yes. part two. Yes. We're still in the building. We're still talking about parenthood, but we're we had still... to break this up, y'all. The two parts, because our there's the story of how we got here is deep. It's it's emotional. So go check it out. And then today, this episode, we're going to talk more about just real life topics that I feel like everyone can relate to, but what our journey as parents, the tests that it put on our relationship and how it made it stronger and how sometimes it really, it broke us down. It wears you out. I mean, I'm sure that most parents feel this way anyway, because now you're responsible for somebody (laughs) or somebody's. You know, so like all of a sudden it goes from like the transition of of life is like you care about yourself, you're caring about your other, and now you're caring about the somebody that you and your other brought here that didn't ask to be here. That part. And so I refuse, refuse, camera one, to be like those dads that just be having kids and not being around. But I feel like because we did the work before we got here, that it allowed us to know what we were bringing into this relationship and as parents. Like I knew the things I wanted. I wanted us to have like core experiences and memories. I wanted us to pour into getting out and doing things together, being present. And you wanted to really make them feel seen. I wanted to make them feel loved. I wanted to make them feel like they're house or area was a home um, because there were times, no disrespect to anyone, but there are times that growing up, I didn't feel that. Mm -hmm. I felt like just due to circumstance, dad not around and, you know, love my mom, love my stepdad, love my grandparents. But there was a lot of like transition, always on the go of moving here to this school district, to that school or to this school to where like, there's very few places that actually felt like home. Like my grandma's house feels like home, mm-hmm. but like there wasn't too many places that felt like home. And so that was something I always wanted for my family, which was why, or not why, but which was one of the things that when I presented you with, I want a family, I want kids. Like that's what I was envisioning the yeah. home. You said stability. You want, yeah, a home, stability, love. And I felt like I grew up with, Two older brothers and my parents, or we say they're older, but they are the same ages that we are when we had our kids, which is hilarious to me. And so, okay, yeah, but I, I feel like for me, the two of them, like I grew up with them. Like my brothers were five and nine years older than me. So I felt like an only child at time. And I know that we, I always did things with them, whether we went to the movies, but I don't recall them being interactive in the sense of, they're on the floor playing with me and we're playing games together. It was, we're watching movies. We're going to, you know, back home on the Southland summers. And I always wanted to have that playfulness when it came to my kids. They remembered engaging with me and me putting aside work or whatever it might be and giving them my full attention. But knowing what you wanted and what I wanted, I was like, okay, we can come together and we can make we can give a beautiful child, two kids, whatever that might be, a beautiful home. But if we didn't have those conversations early on, I feel like we would have gotten to this place where when we had Callie of, oh crap, like we are on two different pages. 
because there are some things like I wanted <laughs> non-negotiables, but there are some things I wanted to be able to sit at a table and eat. And you were like, nah, I don't do that. And I'm like, okay, that's fine. We ain't got to eat at She want to sit at the table and eat, but she don't cook nothing. Answer that. <laughs> oh, I'm getting roasted on my own podcast. <laughs> but like little stuff like that, it didn't matter, but the big stuff did. And so let's rewind to, you guys heard about us going to the living room. We're having Callie and she comes out. She's not, well, she's breathing for like, she's crying for like five seconds. <laughs> I don't even think it was that and long. It happens so quick. They put her on me and I remember thinking, She's breathing. She's crying. And I'm actually like looking at her and trying to like look at the different thing. Okay. What her eyes look like, what does her body look like? Cause at that point they said, you won't know if she has fiber syndrome until she's here. That's the only way we can yeah. test her. And so I'm, I hate that. Like my first moment with her was me doing a whole full body scan and me feel like, okay, she's crying. And I don't know when it happened, but it quickly, she stopped breathing and they took her away from me. And Rome went into a small room with her and I was so focused on that room that it took a minute for me to realize that she's losing a lot of blood. And I'm like, wait, what? Wait, you guys are working on me. Like, I'm not okay. And so I had to have a blood transfusion. I was losing a lot of blood, but Rome was with Callie and we, we split in that moment. My mom came in the room and mind you, everyone's gowned up. This wasn't this like lovey-dovey oh, I get to hold my baby. This was like, it felt like a procedure. Like it, it just took away this natural feeling of birth and the beauty of it. And so Rome is in the room and I'd love to hear like how you felt in that moment. Well, again, right away, she starts crying and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's crying. And it's like, you start to feel elated because now the day that you've been waiting for for so long is here like your child is is here and that's the second where they depend on you like it's different like i literally went from rome johnson to somebody's daddy like that and like it was one of those moments and i i don't want this to sound like i'm making it about myself but it'll make sense later it was a moment of like oh my god the the purpose that i've been looking for so long in life mm. just arrived here and i had really like a anything it took gritty mindset yeah. and so the minute she was born like and we kind of already talked about this so like one thing i would say that's you know something for all couples to to do is communicate and talk things out because before it happens we we said we were going to divide and conquer this way mm -hmm. so we had the game plan there was no in the moment and even if it was in the moment i was still going with my baby because like you look at you know, Felicia's here. Felicia can talk. Felicia can tell them she's in pain or whatever. My child just came out and my child's needs. I, I know, you know, there is that whole, you put your wife or your partner over your child. In that moment, it had to be my child mm -hmm. over everything else. But we agreed on that. Here she is coming out of my womb and she needs to feel love right away. And I can't have her only seeing doctors. So she needed to see her dad and that's what she had. And then, so I go in this room and this room is like 87 degrees. Like it's really warm. It's small. There is machinery everywhere. And I'm gowned up, of course. And I'm sweating. I'm pacing because they're trying to, to intubate her. And for those who don't know what intubate means, they're trying to stick the breathing tube down her nose. And so they're trying to get it down her nose so the machine can help her breathe because, again, her chest cavity was small. 
And so they couldn't get it. Like they were trying so hard to get it, couldn't get it, couldn't get it, couldn't get it. Finally, like I had to step out because like I was about to pass out. Mm-hmm. Like it was so hot. I was sweaty that one of the doctors in there sat me down, got me a cup of water. And again, like I'm just I'm watching them right outside the door. I get back in there because, you know, I can't I can't leave my baby. I need my baby to know that I'm here. Mm-hmm. And that's probably some of my own childhood trauma is like, you know, being able to like it definitely was projecting on her in that moment. Like, I need you to to know that I'm here for you. So you never have to worry about that. Yeah. But they're like, do you want to see your baby? And I went over to her and her eyes weren't open yet. But I just like, you know, regardless of of what I knew was going to happen, it was like, I just relaxed. Like, I could finally breathe. Yeah. Like God was just like, hey, remember, I said that this road wasn't going to be easy, but I also wasn't going to leave you and yeah. I'm not going to leave you. And it was like a, a weird calming because we went straight to the NICU um, in the hospital after that. No, no, we went to the NICU and the. You guys, well, you guys came out of that room. Yeah. You came out of that room and you had to go through the room I was in to go to the NICU. And so I remember, and mind you guys, I'm in the room, in the operating room by my, like, with my mom, but like, I don't know what's going on in there. I don't hear her anymore. And so you guys came out and that was my moment of calmness. That was my moment of, she's okay. Okay. We got, we, this is going to be hard, but we got this. And you walked out and you locked eyes with me. And I remember you saying, they, they, she probably does have Pfeiffer syndrome or something, you know, but she's breathing now. We got her settled. We're going to the NICU. And I, and I, I just like, I'll text you. Like we were, we just, we split at that moment. And I remember just always thinking about what she's going through, but knowing that she had you and feeling like she's going to be fine. She's got you and I'm texting you. And it just, to be separated that early. That part. That. And, and you're, here's your family of three and now, nope, you're separated and I had to depend on you to, to know what was best for her and you were also worried about me and how I was doing. And so like that is how we became a family of three in these different pieces. And so, yes, and then we, you guys head over to Seattle Children's and- well, Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me, oh. let me tell the story when we were separated. Because there was a lot that was happening. So we were separated for like four and a half hours or mm-hmm. something like that. And we were down in the NICU and, you know, they were running every which test on her. And finally, like they were done and I was able to like put my hand in there and I like grabbed her hand because she was in a little incubator. Um, grabbed my hand in there and held her hand. And then she started opening her eyes and we got to lock eyes for the first time and that truly like again if you know there was that moment like i said that i was just like like i'm gonna do everything in my being for you and then once we locked eyes it's just like daddy's here you don't gotta worry about anything you will never have to worry about anything as long as daddy's here Mm -hmm. And so, again, I got to experience that and this family that was down the hall, this was where like, uh, again, these these reminders and because you, you do doubt like first time parent, like you do doubt like, oh, my God, can I 
like we, do i really have everything in me oh yeah to can do we this? do this we kept saying can we do this like, yeah are we ready for this <clears throat> like you read all the books of here's what parenthood's like from parenthood to delivery all of it we, we were going to the classes and then for it to be quickly taken away of like now throw all the books away here's real life show up and we were like this is not what we were ready for prepared for and so there was doubt and as Rome said, but there were also so many moments of, we can do this. Like without, you, you, with you by my side, we can conquer anything. And, and right. And there was a family down there. I, I don't remember why their kid was in the NICU, but I was just sitting outside Callie's room because they were doing an x-ray or something. And this man said, hey, can can we pray for you? And like, again, here's the thing. Where like before our wedding, literally on our wedding day, hours before our wedding, I went to Chick-fil-A and I was in line because this Chick-fil-A is always busy. And this these people were just, these nice people were just talking to me. They're like, oh, like, how are you? Like, what do you have going on today? And I'm like, I'm actually getting married in like four hours. And they're like, oh my gosh, can we pray for you? Mm. Right there in Chick-fil-A, we grabbed hands in the line at Chick-fil-A. They said a prayer. That lady's prayer was so beautiful. It was literally like wishing us strength and and love and and all those things and and just like that moment, it was interesting because this man was praying for me, and I remember like I re- I remember almost like outside of my body, like going weak. And this man held me up with his ch- with his hand and wrapped his arm around me, and he's like, "Brother, you have everything you need to do this." Oh. And I was like, "Holy." I was like, oh my gosh. The and power, then, well, the power of prayer, because yeah. there's also another moment where someone we did not know prayed over us. It was on the plane. No. And then, oh my gosh, everyone <laughs> prays over us. Yeah. And that is why we are where we are today. <laughs> Thank you for your prayers. But I think you correct me if I'm wrong. We were like, we were newlyweds and we were going to the Safeway down the street. And oh my God. Yeah, we were in Safeway and a gentleman stopped us in the produce, like by the bananas, and said, like, you two are beautiful. And I just, something is calling me to you. I would love to pray over you. And and he said, what are some of the things you want in life? And we we were renting at the time. We were like, well, we're going to get into real estate. We want to buy a home soon. We're newlyweds. We're probably married for like six, eight months. And he prayed over us. He, yeah. he prayed in over- In the produce. Yeah. One hand on bananas and one hand on hey, rum. yo. <laughs> crazy um but he prayed over our relationship that we would find a home that god would guide us to where we need to be and we left and he said oh i'm also a real estate agent and gave us his card but you know about two years later we ended up finding a home not too far from that safeway so it, there's been so many moments as you mentioned that of just like divine intervention just prayer yes divine intervention and again like we say the rebirth there's all of these moments that allow us to almost be born again with our relationship with parenthood because and then they sprung on me that we have to go to seattle children's that night they told us earlier they're like yeah you're gonna have to go to seattle children's but probably after you discharge Mm -hmm. so i was not expecting to have to depart from felicia that night and you go with the punches now i didn't have to go to children's with callie when she went to children's but my child my trauma (laughs) says hey you, your daughter, 
<laughs> your daughter is not going to know how it feels to look and not feel her dad there. Because like I said, I know how it feels. And still to this day, I don't like it. So I went. Yeah. But also just like the hospital is not this like warm place to be. It's not. And so. When, not a children's hospital either. It's not built for adults, clearly. No. But just, I mean, for Callie. And so we knew that. Here she is in a scary place and now having Roman and realizing so much of the connection that your child has to the mom and knowing that they love feeling the smell and being on you. And so not her not being able to have that and they have to be in a place by herself. We're like, no, she has to have somebody. And for me, here I am, I'm a mom now and my baby's not next to me. Yep. And I'm having to be in this room and they're caring for me and working on me. And all I could think about is what is my daughter going through? And I can't save her. I can't be there for her. And they were so serious about, okay, ma'am, like you have to make sure that you're good. And so you can take care of your child. Like you can't leave too soon. And I was like, when is the earliest I can be out of here? Yeah, she discharged. I was ready. day, bro. And you guys were able to come through. I think they put me in a wheelchair and I was able to come out and see Callie. I met her at a certain point. See her before you guys, you know, went off to see our our children's. And I spent that night in, uh, I was sad. I was in the hospital. My mom was there sleeping on the little like couch. And all I could do was hear babies all around me. And my baby wasn't right there with me. I didn't realize how hard of a feeling that would be to carry your child for nine months. Then to not be able to hold her and not have her in that most like raw, just fragile moment. And, and I just was at that point, I was like, I need to get to my family. And so they, they discharged me. I think it was like 18 hours. I, yeah, I gave she birth left to Cal- She left, she gave birth, <laughs> what, you gave birth to like four? Yeah, 349 to Callie. And then I was out of that hospital by noon. Yeah. Y'all. And they kept saying, it's a children's hospital. So if something happens, they can't care for you. I was like, okay. I'm good. Yeah. And, and I, I kept telling her because I, I ended up staying the night like they they didn't have an extra room at first because there's a certain mileage that you have to live away from the hospital to to be able to stay there. But I was adamant I wasn't leaving my baby. And um, they ended up getting me a room, which I did not sleep. But I was texting Felicia most of the time. And I kept telling her, like, no, nah, we we're just over here waiting like we got it. But like, you know, of course, doctors were coming in and like she said, having to make decisions for our family and my daughter like right away you know it's like oh your dad signed this like oh your dad signed this okay dad his this this trying to uh facetime felicia so they she can hear what the doctor's saying and all that stuff like that but realistically you checked yourself out you get there now we're all together during that day by that point like i just been in there too long and like i need to go home but like tell me about that first time when you were able to go in there and we were all together. When I went in there, I think that was the moment I was like, okay, my mom was with me, my dad, and they dropped me off, but they couldn't go into the NICU because only so many people could be in that space. And so it felt like the graduation of I'm going from daughter to mother. And now the mother instincts kick in. And now I'm in, how do I protect my child? How do we get her out of here? What are we dealing with? And I wasn't expecting how many doctors would come in and out. I wasn't expecting all the information that they were going to throw at me at once. And I just wanted to have a quiet moment with her. 
And I don't feel like we got that for a while. But I had so many emotions because I had been carrying all of that for two weeks. And I felt like I couldn't really let myself just fall into those emotions while she was inside of me because I felt she would feel it. I needed to bring her into this world, get her here okay, and then in my peaceful moment by myself in the shower, break down. And I definitely broke down. I feel like in those first week or two, it was me. It was me that was like going through emotional roller coaster of being present when we're in the hospital and then going home and crying on my drive home and I'm not leaving there till 9 p.m. And Some long this days. long 12-hour <clears throat> days. And and I had a handful of friends that were also pregnant during the same time and having their kids and seeing them make the announcements and take their babies home. Like there was so much emotion and this comparison that I was dealing with. And I had been used to being so optimistic. And I was finding such a hard time to find the positive in that moment. And you were so strong. And the reason why I felt I needed to be strong, especially in that moment, is because like there were a lot of decisions that needed to be made. There were a lot of things that needed to be done. And, you know, I can't sit up here and say it would have been bad for us both to be in that emotional state, but it would have been harder. Mm -hmm. And so... I just wanted to do what was best for us in that situation. And sometimes, you know, in relationships, I feel like actually relationships are a whole bunch of like dividing and conquering. We mm -hmm. talked about sometimes you got to be LeBron. Sometimes I got to be Wade and, and vice versa. There's times where you just seek out as a couple or you talk about it and you just assume those roles. Right. And the one thing that's really good about us is we naturally just assume roles without having to be said we're right. like i'm gonna do this you know and and i wanted to understanding you know postpartum depression and all that stuff like that i wanted to allow you every opportunity to do that but also to you know i'm the medical guy like so mm -hmm. i've been through this medical rodeo and dealing with all this and it's a lot but like for the most part if i just focus my mind on all of that i was good yeah I feel like men always feel like they have to be the strong ones. They do. They and really do. I have to be the head of the household. I have to, and we've talked so much about breaking stereotypes and not needing to follow those. And I feel like this was a moment where I saw you in a place where I hadn't seen you before. And it was like, we switched. I finally got my, my strength and my footing. And then it felt like you were like, oh, you're good. <gasps> yeah. I had to, let it all out. Cause I mean, again, like sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to like hold on to everything. Mm -hmm. And I think the the bad part, and again, I wish I could change it tomorrow. Otherwise I would, is that I've been conditioned to do this. Like mm -hmm. all I have are examples of people holding in stuff until it's too late. And then it just blows up and over, over blows. And so like, that's part of my self-work that I'm doing as a man, as a husband, as a father is like, you know, not getting to that point and being a little more in touch with my emotions and being more outwardly vulnerable to say things because yeah. when it comes down to it, like, I don't, I don't care what society perceives me as per se, but it's just a matter of like, it's hard to undo something that you've been doing for 30 plus years. Yeah. I hear you on that. And so also it's like, 
we talked about trials and our relationship being tested. And I, you become a parent, but then you become a medical parent. And that was a test for us of how are we going to navigate this and how are we going to let each other be our best self, but also find those vulnerable moments where I, I can't show up right now. I need you to carry the load. I need you to be at 100 because I'm at a 10 right now. And I didn't realize how big the communication needed to be, but how hard it was going to be on me dealing with this idea of this wasn't the life that I expected. And I had to go through therapy and I was going through postpartum depression, but there was a night where we had been, Callie was born and two days later, we made the announcement to the role. You know, like we're going to share, she's got Pfeiffer syndrome, that this is going to be our biggest test, but we will pass it. And I felt like in that moment, I, I broke down and it's been something I'm still working through, but we both needed this to bring out a different side of us. You needed it to bring out the emotion and you needed a daughter because the affection that it was something that you were lacking. And I needed this test to show how strong it can be, but also that life doesn't always go as expected and how are you going to get up and adapt to it? But also how can you be your authentic self and it was just a lot of comparison for me. I had to just be so real of seeing others and seeing what they were going through and, and asking why me? Why can I have that journey? Why am I going through this? What did I do? And I, I, at moments, I didn't want to admit that, but I needed to admit that to be able to heal from it, to be able to be now, this is my story. This is my daughter. This is what we got going on. And it's hard. And it might seem like we're perfect. It might seem like we're handling this so beautiful, but we are going through it. And I had the moments where I'm on, I'm pulling my phone, I'm crying because I wanted people to see the raw emotion. And from that, we built this amazing community of people who just band together with us. I feel like there were so many moms out there whose children had Pfeiffer syndrome, some kind of medical syndrome, and they were saying it's going to be okay. And I found the light from them. And I realized I want to be the light for other people. So that community, you talked about that community. And for one, like, we love y'all. We appreciate y'all and everything that you do to uplift our family and our daughter. Mm -hmm. And like Felicia said, like, you know, there probably is a perception of us and how we are. Um, and it's really just like put together with duct tape and you know i'm i'm okay that you know more times than not like we have to prioritize cali over anything else and you know now we have we have roman and it's like we have to make sure that is all the extra attention that we're giving cali is also reciprocated to him too but still, like, it's so easy to ignore the needs of your partner yes. just because you get so consumed by by the kids and everything going on with the kids. And, of course, like, you know, we may or may not have more, you know, going on with our family just oh. because appointments and and all kids. this different thing. No, no, that's not happening. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, we just we are literally still a work in progress and we are literally still like even the other day had a conversation about communication because based off our outlooks on life and how we both grew up, 
you know, we don't always communicate the way the other person needs us to communicate. So things are often missed. And so it's an ongoing work in progress for us. But like, that's okay because the one, you know, another thing I would say for couples is always be willing to do the work. Yeah. Because it's work. Everything is hard. Everything is, everything good is hard. Pause. It's not supposed to be easy. So like, we really, when in time come, kids go to bed like, okay, I felt a way that you said this, or this is why I reacted this way. Because in the past, this is what happened to make me react this way. Yeah. And we come to an understanding. And the last thing I want to say is I read this uh, post on one of my Instagram followers. We actually um, used to be rep by the same management agency. And he, his video said, like, when you're in an argument, the purpose of an argument is to hear both sides and not to win. Mm. Because if you're trying to win the argument, you already lost. And that hit me because I was like, I got to do better with that because my Scorpio nature and my competitiveness is like, I I need my point to be heard. Mm. And Felicia's made comments in the past, like, I don't think you're hearing me. And I always say like, no, I, I hear you. I don't have to agree with what you're saying, though. And it always has to like feel like a victory. And one thing that I've been thinking about that I want to like leave for myself is just when those situations happen, it's like, okay, I hear you. I don't agree, but I, I do hear you. Yeah. Well, because I feel like there was a moment in that time of our relationship where we were so tired and we Still. were, yeah, we were so tired. We were thrown into a situation we'd never been before. And every day we're making decisions about someone else other than us. And so we lost us in that. I, I didn't think about what your needs are. I didn't even think about my needs. It was just Cali, Cali, Cali. And so as medical parents out there, I know that there's a high statistic of medical parents divorcing because the stress it brings to your relationship of now managing and being a caregiver. And we'll talk more about caregiving because it is very different than being a parent. Like we had to train 20 hours to even bring our child home to care for her. Like it's not your typical. We had to train 20 hours by a, a and get signed off by a respiratory therapist like, in order to take our daughter home. Let that, that sink like, in. So anytime y'all be on our comments and saying, you guys are not caregivers, your parents, parents care give. Sure, parents might care give, but not like us. Right. Like when you have to get a medical sign off to take your child home, there's always that joke of, oh, they send you home with your baby with no rules and no like guidelines. Nah, like they send us home with like- A book. Yes, and the pressure is on. And so our life became high stakes. It's high stakes. It's high pressure. Yeah. That's it. My friend even said it the other day. He's just like, bro, you probably get sick so much because you always have to be on. You always have to be on. And that's just us. We're 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 high. We have to be uh it's high stakes. We have to be always locked in. We have to always listen out. Right. Like we have to be ready to to drop everything and jump. We have to know what to do in that situation and assess. And this is all the time, no matter what is going on. Mm -hmm. Now imagine having that kind of pressure and focusing on like what your wife needs in those, in that moment. It's just like, no, like my daughter sounds like she needs a suction because she's got a lot of mucus buildup in her throat and we don't want to plug. So we're instantly running to that. We're dropping everything we have going on. But for other couples who can take the time, talk it out and work together. Yeah. And so because we were put in that dynamic, 
our roles drastically changed and you encouraged me to go to therapy. You were like, you are not in a good place, a good headspace. And I'm so thankful for that moment of like, you're like, what's wrong? I remember just like, I didn't have the words. I didn't have the words to express myself. I didn't want to let myself get too too bogged down by all these emotions. And so I did go to therapy and she was like, you do have postpartum depression and it's time to talk about it. It's time to really bring back the layers and, and understand that things are going to be okay. And so having someone who was going through it be able to talk to me and be able to help me get myself out of that like layer of just like funk that I was in and realizing that this wasn't going to be a tomorrow everything's okay. It was going to take time. It was going to take time for me to do the work and to show up. And I think as I felt better, I found myself being able to be away from Cali a little bit longer. Like being at the hospital 12, 16 hours and then not doing for me, not going for walks, not eating right. That food it, nasty. It, it was just so took such a toll on me mentally, emotionally, physically. And we, like I said, we hit that breaking point, but then we just came back together when we realized we both need to take our time and focus on what mentally this was doing for us. And then once we came back together, it was like, all right, we got a game plan. We're going to, we're going to get Callie out of this hospital. We're going to get her home and pouring so much love into her. I really think is what got her home. And it, it once we got home, it was like, this is what I dreamed of. Like five and a half months late, look, but we got there. Right. This not, not look like what we thought it would, but this is what we dreamed of. Like having our family, just the little moments, being on the bed, reading to her and looking at her smile and laugh uh, and stuff like that's just, even to this day, it's just like, oh my gosh, like you were, you were so happy and like, I, you know, wish that I had an ounce of what she had because she's just got so carefree, careless joy. And this is coming from someone, if, if, if any of y'all want to try to say she hasn't done anything, she's a little kid, she's had 25 surgeries in three years. She's been through so much. She's been, she's had her face, her mid face moved out an inch. She's had to wear a device for weeks. She's had to be unbalanced. She's had to be all this stuff. And so she's been through enough. She really has. And still smiles and laughs and is so happy and looks around. And I know that there are moments where she looks around and like, other kids to what they're doing and you know why she can't but that's that's our job and that's like my sole new purpose in life is to make sure that she has everything she needs and everything is accessible for her Mm -hmm. to feel that same joy because i never want her to lose that ever 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 and so we'll we'll dive more into just the now the present that's kind of where we are now and so moving forward we're going to talk about different topics and give you more of our perspective on them. But parenthood has been our most recent chapter that has evolved us, that has changed us, that has really dove into the the rebirth of who we are. And it has 
given us a purpose that we hope that our children will grow up and be proud of us. Like, that's crazy. Like, I, I want them to be proud of us. I want them to be inspired by us. And so, y'all, leave a comment below of what in this episode really moved you, what you want us to talk about more moving forward. But we'll be back with episode seven. Don't forget to follow us on... IG. Yes. R-O-M-E-J-O-H-N-S at F-A-L-E-S-H-A-1-1. And then our podcast, IG, so RLL podcast, and then the rebirth of life and love. Because if you are not watching us, go watch us because we bring you the visuals too. So you get to hear us and see us. So follow us on YouTube as well. We appreciate the love and support and we'll be back with more. All right, y'all. Have a good one. Bye.